We're up to Leviticus 26, and I would say the saddest chapter in the book of Leviticus. It's Kaufman, Burton Kaufman, commentator, he says that this chapter is an inspired prophecy because what's described in this chapter happened exactly like God said it was going to happen. But that's the sad thing about it, is that it described what would happen if the children of Israel obeyed the Lord and what would happen if they didn't. And what happens to the children of Israel is exactly what's described here if they don't follow him. That's what makes it so sad. You shall make for yourselves no idols, and you shall not raise up a carved image or a pillar, and you shall not place any figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am Yahweh your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary, I am Yahweh. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall continue until the vintage, and the vintage shall continue until the sowing time. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove evil animals out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will have respect for you, make you fruitful, multiply you, and will establish my covenant with you. You shall eat old supplies long kept, and you shall move out of the old because of the new. I will set my tent among you, and my soul won't abhor you. I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you will be my people. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk upright. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances, so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will appoint terror over you, even consumption and fever, that shall consume the eyes and make the soul to pine away. You will sow your seed in vain, for your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you, and you will be struck before your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one pursues you. If you, in spite of all these things, will not listen to me, then I will chastise you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your sky like iron and your soil like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain, for your land won't yield its increase, neither will the trees of the land yield their fruit. If you walk contrary to me and won't listen to me, then I will bring seven times more plagues on you according to your sins. I will send the wild animals among you, which will rob you of your children, destroy your livestock and make you few in number. Your roads will become desolate. If by these things you won't be turned back to me, but will walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you, and I will strike you, even I, seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword upon you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. You will be gathered together within your cities, and I will send the pestilence among you. You will be delivered into the hand of the enemy. 
When I break your staff of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver your bread again by weight. You shall eat and not be satisfied. If you in spite of this won't listen to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in wrath. I will also chastise you seven times for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your sons, and you will eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, and cut down your incense altars, and cut and cast your dead bodies upon the bodies of your idols, and my soul will abhor you. I will lay your cities waste, and will bring your sanctuaries to desolation. I will not take delight in the sweet fragrance of your offerings. I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies who dwell in it will be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations, and I will draw out the sword after you. Your land will be a desolation, and your cities shall be a waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths, as long as it lies desolate, and you are in your enemy's land. Even the, then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, even the rest which it didn't have in your Sabbaths when you lived on it. As for those of you who are left, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf will put them to flight, and they shall flee. As one flees from the sword, they will fall when no one pursues. They will stumble, stumble over one another as it were before the sword when no one pursues. You will have no power to stand before your enemies. You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will eat you up. Those of you who are left will pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers they shall pine away with them. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and also that because they walked contrary to me, I also walked contrary to them, and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled, and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. The land also will be left by them, and will enjoy its Sabbaths, while it lies desolate without them. And they will accept the punishment of their iniquity because they rejected my ordinances and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am Yahweh their God. But I will for their sake remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God. I am Yahweh. These are the statutes, ordinances, and laws which Yahweh made between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by Moses. This chapter is very, very similar to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We'll talk about that in about two months. Um, and what happens here is it describes the blessings if they'd follow God completely, and then the terrible things that God would do if they didn't. And the things that God described there are exactly what happened to them because they didn't follow his ways. It describes such terrible things as eating the flesh of their own sons and daughters. And that happened at least three times. It happened in the siege of Samaria. happened in the siege of Jerusalem when the Babylonians came. It happened in the siege of Jerusalem again when the Romans came. 
these three times. After these three sieges, the children of Israel in Samaria and the children of Judah in the Babylonian and Roman exiles were just dispersed everywhere. The ten tribes that were dispersed out of the siege of Samaria, they never came back to the land. They were just scattered everywhere. The, the tribe of Judah, they came back after the Babylonian siege, but after the Roman destruction of Jerusalem, they were scattered everywhere. And today, there are people who say they're Jewish all over the world. They're dispersed everywhere as a result of this. They ended up in Europe. People who say they're Jewish that come from Europe, they don't look Jewish at all. They look European. And then there are people in the Middle East today who are descended from Jews who say they're Muslims. They look very Semitic, so, uh, and they probably had Jewish ancestry. So you can see how complicated it's become now, that now being Jewish has become, um, a, it's an ethnicity, but its ethnicity is almost European rather than Semitic, and of course it's also a religion. And you can see how the curses, if you were to, to go through this chapter verse by verse, you can see how the curses, each and every one of them took effect. And in fact, Deuteronomy 28 is, has even more detail. And, uh, and then it says, the land will enjoy its Sabbaths. We were just talking about that in the last chapter. This is what Burton Kaufman had to say about this. He said, certainly... There was never anything like this written about any other nation in the history of the world. And that's true. The Lord said these things about Israel because he'd made covenant with them. And the Lord didn't make covenant with any other nation. But the Lord's purpose was that this nation of Israel was supposed to be an example so that the rest of the world could see it. But because they didn't do what God wanted, there was no example. Now we have an example because of Jesus Christ. Through all this chaos, we, Christ came. So we still see what the example was supposed to be. And we have the example of Christ, but they never did. They never kept up what they were supposed to keep up. And the, the example in the world was never created. But now through the church, we now have the example that is being created. But of course, it's not a perfect example, but it will be. Burton Kaufman has a bit more to say. He said, um, certainly there was never anything like this written of any other nation in the history of the world. The astounding fact being that God himself is the author of these terrible sentences of judgment. So there's no doubt about it that the terrible things that happened to God's people were brought about by himself. And some people have, um, you know, they've blamed God and they've said, oh, God's only on the side of his chosen people. He's... He's racist, you know, he only loves the Jews. Clearly, if you look at the whole Bible, no, it, it wasn't like that at all. Because the things that ended up, ended up happening to the Jews, it wasn't about God just picking a group of people and only blessing them. The things that happened to the Jews were as bad or even worse than some of the things that happened to other people, like the Canaanites. And um, it... The Lord had a purpose and he was trying to bring his purpose about and he still brought his purpose about even despite the failings of people. And today as Christians, you know, we are God's chosen people. Peter tells us that in his epistles. But we mustn't assume that we're favoured and highly blessed because there's something special about us. Rather, we're chosen because, once again, there's responsibility. We've been chosen not to be blessed 
but chosen for a purpose. But if we fulfill our purpose, we find the blessing in it. And at the start of this chapter, the Lord had said what he would do if they did follow him. And it included these things. There would be bountiful harvests, peace and security, fruitfulness, increase. And that's pretty much what everyone wants. We want to see rewards for our effort. We want to see our bank account increase. We want to see our children do well. We want to enjoy happiness, peace and security. But, but the children of Israel thought that by doing the things they did, they were, they were basically pursuing these things the way they thought they could find them. But by pursuing them themselves, they didn't find them. And we find that all around the world today, people pursue this idea of a happiness. They pursue it in relationships, in money, in various different ways. And by pursuing happiness, it's trying to grab thin air. You never ever quite get it. But when you pursue the Lord, happiness is the, the byproduct of pursuing the Lord. Happiness isn't something you can chase and get. You might as well chase the rainbow. But when you, when you put the Lord first, Happiness is what you find that you have. So it's one of those paradoxes. Whoever's first shall be last, whoever's last shall be first. Whoever finds his life, you know, whoever, whoever tries to find his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for Christ shall find it. And this is all the things that Jesus said when he came. So what do we learn from a chapter like this? Well, first of all, we, we can see that it is an inspired prophecy that the Lord said in advance what was going to happen, and it did. But we also see that it, it reflects very much upon the rest of the Bible when it, the Bible tells us to live godly lives, to follow the Lord, to be holy as he is holy, to walk in his ways. The New Testament says, clothe yourselves, you know, in holiness as God's dearly loved people and, you know, love one another. There's lots of things the scriptures say. And, uh, and I guess a key one would be in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What we can learn here is the same type of thing is still at play. If we put Christ first and seek him, we end up finding that we're fruitful and we're blessed. Now, some Christians, they might find that their lives are cut short. They might be martyred or persecuted. That happens to some people. But the Lord knows how to repay those with love and blessings. And there's an eternity waiting. And anything we miss out on this life, we will find that he well and truly makes up for it if we have put him first. So we have a God is fair like that and we just place our trust in him and we find that he will do right by us if we do right by him. So thank you, Lord. We contemplate this passage here um, and we ask, Lord, that you give to us the fear of the Lord. We're seeing that even those you love still face the consequences of their own choices. Lord, help us not to choose against you. Help us to always walk with you. Help us to find you. Lord, this book of Leviticus has got some tough things in it that help us to, to take them to heart and to be people who love Jesus all the more. Amen.